0: Hey guys, Montel here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I am so excited by the guest that I have on the day. He's a talented actor, an Emmy-nominated com- comedian. He's the host of a show called Glazed. His routine—it's routinely sold out live show in LA. He also co-hosts Weed Plus Grub. And he's an acclaimed pod, which is an acclaimed podcast uh, that features actresses and cannabis culture voices and, and actors. Uh, Mary Jane Gibson is his co-host on that. He also stars in the 420-friendly comedy shows High Tech on Prohibited and also High Guys on BuzzFeed and First High on Civilized. And today, his work has garnered over 300 million online views. Mr. Mike Glazer, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with my title
1: today, sir. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. Uh, man, thank you so much for being here and being a part. Because, you know, I to tell you, I, I love talking to trailblazers, and that is exactly what you have been as a trailblazer, sir.
1: Well, I mean, that really fills my heart because I try the best I can to make work that I'm proud of. And it just seems to resonate with a lot of people all over the world. So, you know, I guess I'm always searching for validation, but through validation, hopefully I can make the world a better place.
0: Well, yes, sir. Validation is good. All of us are looking for it. You know, I'm trying my best to figure out if I'm putting on, you know, decent enough content. And that's what we do here with Let's Be Blunt. We try to get, you know, key uh, you know, decision makers and, and key influencers on to talk about what needs to be discussed right now. And that is the fact that, you know, cannabis has been one of the only almost recession free businesses in America in the last year during this whole COVID thing. And also, I think for those who have been consuming, it's what's kept our sense of, uh, you know, sensibility,
1: right? Yeah, I think, What's actually very interesting about that, I was having a conversation three days ago about gatekeepers and how it feels like the gatekeepers who are in charge of not only our country, but the people who have risen to the ranks of cannabis, any really any industry, um, they're kind of all crumbling right now. And when I look at somebody like yourself, and I'm not trying to be like, oh my gosh, Montel Williams. But what I will say is, I see you as not so much of a gatekeeper of the cannabis community, but somebody who has access to the industry as a whole. And so you invite people into the fold instead of exclusion. You're all about inclusion. And I think that that's really the key to a industry that isn't even federally legal yet. We don't need people in power. We need people in standing who have access, who can bring the right people into the fold. And I think it's a very big difference.
0: I, I, I understand you 100%, sir, and I thank you for that because that's exactly what we try to do here. I want to make sure that we have a conversation that everybody can feel comfortable participating in and understanding, even those who don't really even like cannabis, those who are kind of against it in some ways. I don't mind having a person on. Come on, let's talk about it. Maybe I can change your views. Maybe you can change me a little bit, doubt it, but <laughs> I'll hear you out. And, you know, as I hear you out, I'll understand why you feel the way you do. And so much about cannabis is such, I mean, we talk about fake news. This has been now 100 years worth of fake news that has been just perpetuated by a society that really understood its value before we decided to go ahead and make money off of its prohibition. Sounds weird when I say it that way, but people don't understand. I mean, when you look back, and I hope that you know anything we say, talk about, man, feel free to use in any of your your skits and your acts and whatever you do. But you know, America doesn't want to admit the fact that this country was built on the back of cannabis. Yes, from day one. I'm talking. Let's go all the way back to like 1590, man, when ships were coming across the ocean. People don't know that they had and carried, you know. Pounds close to a ton of cannabis seeds, hemp seeds on the boat. Why? Because people were eating it back then because they recognized that the hemp plant created a seed that had what they thought was the highest level of protein of any seed
1: available. So they were eating hemp porridge daily. You know, I didn't uh, know that. Oh, yeah, like, my friend. What's interesting about that is that as human beings, I feel like we are a self-centered type of being. And so it's almost as if nothing existed before us. Even though plants, animals, all of these things have been around before us, but the mentality of uh, hemp was here and then we arrived is a very different way of thinking.
0: It's like the thought of somebody in Europe discovered America. Really? Right. Oh, here, homeboy. How did you discover something where there are already people here? But just because you didn't know about it beforehand, but you know, when we look back in time, you know, Every sail, every rope. The word "canvas" comes from cannabis. Interesting. Every did, did you know that the entire Revolutionary Army was clothed in hemp fiber?
1: I had no idea, and now I want to bring that fashion back. Maybe not the war back, but like, let's get hemp fashion. Call Virgil Abloh and let's go. And yeah, we got to.
0: I mean, when we, we stop and think about how valuable cannabis was back at the at the dawn of America. It's really what kept us alive. Remember, a lot of people don't remember, you know, in 1601, 1602, you were still walking out into the woods, grabbing a leaf to wipe your butt. <laughs> you know? And, you know, a lot of people were walking around with a lot of hemorrhoids, a lot of other weird, uh, uh, you know, died. Probably just drugs.
1: itchy, right?
0: Yeah. It's probably itchy all the time. Right. And so, man, wh- why not smoke a little bit of that plant that's a little bit of that turned into a cloth to sleep under? And, you know, and, and, and. Every one of our forefathers grew it, from George Washington to Benjamin Franklin. I don't know if you know this, do you know that when they finally about, mm, this now goes back about five years ago, they literally scraped the pipes that were sitting on Benjamin Franklin's desk that was in the Smithsonian Institute they scraped that pipe and realized that homeboy wasn't just smoking tobacco. <laughs> <you> know, <Lord laughs> now. So our forefathers were really catching a buzz. And why not, man? It was hot. It was cold. You didn't have air conditioning. You didn't have heat. So, you know, I, I, it's it's crazy how, you know, now all of a sudden in the last five years, all of a sudden people think that we just invented something called CBD. It's right. been around. <laughs> right. I mean, the medicinal value of of cannabis has been extolled for well over 3,500 years. What brought you to cannabis, my friend? What was your first experience with cannabis?
1: I love that question. Um, I, I don't want to lose the path on what you just said, because what you reminded me of was, like, just to give my whole deal in a sentence, it would be education and activism through entertainment. I'm a comedian through and through I've smoked weed since I was 13, 14 years old, sold it out of the back of a pizza shop instead of making good. I mean, you work at a pizza shop, you're going to eat pizza, get high and make a little cash on the side. Of course. (laughs) Um, And so, um, on, on the tip of everything you're speaking about within propaganda, people who might not be interested in cannabis, I created, co-created a show with Ryan Howard called first high for civilized. And in that show, Our whole, our whole idea was to get people of all walks of life high for the first time in a safe environment, see how they feel about it and just try and the word destigmatized is boring and gross to me and people use it without knowing what it means and try it's So just trying to make it cool and normal. If you smoke weed, you smoke weed. If you don't, you don't. But leave me alone because I do. And so first high, we got a war veteran high for the first time. And now all of a sudden, they're smoking every day because it helps them not only with their PTSD, but the aches and pains of their joints. We got a married couple who were married 55 years high for the first time. A lovely lady named Katie, named Katie who had cerebral, who has cerebral palsy high for the first time. And then here's the interesting part, Montel. We made it. It blew up on YouTube. It's called First High. The company folded and now we can't get any of the mainstream companies to use our show and continue to make more of them because the goal would be to take a show like First High and do it in every state as it gets legal and show that it's for everybody and anybody. And the mainstream media won't touch it because it's about weed. Stay with us. We'll be right back. my name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week.
0: Well, it was, it, it, I understand that, my friend. I mean, I've been doing Let's Reblock now for, I guess, Keith, we've been doing this for almost two years, and we got well over 127 podcasts. And I can't I really wanted to turn this show into basically like the anti-Burdane in a pot where I was going to go around the country and literally sit down and talk to people like yourself. I'd be sitting in your living room, sitting with you outside, you know, and we sit down and just talk about the culture, what's happening in the neighborhood and, and the culture around cannabis. But nobody wants to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And there's zero reason why not. I mean, we got to remember the majority of this country, if you go back to newspapers in, let's say, 1890 and flip over to the classified ads, in the back three pages, there is ad after ad after ad after ad for somebody who's selling a
1: tincture or selling cannabis straight up. So, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, there's an ad for Coca-Cola, which has real cocaine in it, and that is all over the world. Correct. Correct. And, and you know, yet we don't people don't understand. That, you know, the
0: prohibition of cannabis came really out of the fact that, you know, one of the biggest pro- prohibitionists alive lost his job. And people don't know that. You know, when you look back at Henry Anslinger, Harry Anslinger, Anslinger was literally one of the biggest proponents of prohibition of alcohol. And even while alcohol was was prohibited, he walked around talking about the value of cannabis because it can get you a euphoria, but didn't make you violent. He was a poor. And then, as soon as he lost his job because they legalized liquor, he was like, What am I going to do? Yeah, I think we go after that stuff them darkies use. Let's go after them. And besides, they give us a way to put them back in jail. And bingo, bingo, next thing you know, we now have a slavery tool, you know, an enslavement tool, enslavement through jail. So you go ahead and just say, Because we know them darkies are going to be doing it, so we may as well lock them all up. And you look back over time, now over the, the course of since 1937. 80% of the people who serve time in prison for cannabis are people of color. Of course. And we don't want to stop and recognize that. But at least the UN has now recognized that. And a lot of countries are starting to pull out of that 1962 treaty, I think it was, that banned hemp and cannabis worldwide. That was, again, a mission of Anslinger for almost 30 years. People don't know anything about what it is they're talking about when they talk about cannabis. So in high school, you were,
1: you're were working in a pizza parlor and you said, yeah, mm. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, oh, this helps me become a better me. I like myself more when I'm high. I'm a I'm a nervous kid who swam with his shirt on all through elementary school cuz i didn't like my body. You know what i mean? Just just a kid who was nervous and used comedy to hide from his insecurities. And then all of a sudden i start smoking weed with my friends and i'm like, "Oh, like there's more of my brain being lit up right now. I have deeper thoughts. I'm more chill. I'm just more chill." And so it became a huge part of my life very early and then i, you know, i guess you could say that i sold it for just monetary gain. Um, But I would also like to at least try to spin it as a way of being like, y'all, I'm trying to Johnny Appleseed my way across St. Louis, Missouri, and get more people on board with something that is helping me. And then the only time that I haven't constantly consumed with breaks because, you know, my um, what's it called when you when you're the like when it's so it doesn't work the same way you want it to whatever that's called um, was when I was playing hockey. And I ended up being invited to play for Team USA for the roller hockey. And I was a goalie. And so I get to the Olympic Training Center and we're taking drug tests. I'm only allowed to have Sudafed, ibuprofen maybe. And it's the first time in my life that I um, like um had to just abstain completely from any type of cannabis at all. And it was a trip. I'll tell you what, you know, like it's it's a part of me that is really important to me. And not being able to do it while playing for the Olympic team was a... Was a struggle.
0: I bet, yeah. I went. I, I ended up going about twenty years without doing it myself because I was in the military
1: and yeah.
0: you know, drug tests throughout the entire time in the military, and so I turned away from it. But you know, I came back to it, and unbeknownst to myself, I came back to it because I literally, before I was diagnosed with MS, I started, you know, suffering from multiple symptoms that were all MS related that I didn't know about, and I gravitated towards cannabis over alcohol because cannabis made me feel better. I didn't even know why. And it wasn't until I truly got diagnosed with MS that I had a doctor say to me, you know, look, I think you'll get a lot more uh, uh, success with cannabis than you would with opioids because they're going to shut your liver down. And so you ought to try that. And the second I did that, I went back to cannabis and haven't looked back since. I mean, I've stayed on it. Though, though my usage has changed throughout the last 20 years, you know, I, I went for a while, where I was really seeking out very high CBD products with you know a moderate amount of THC, not going for the biggest bang I could. But then I started not getting the same relief, so I started going after higher THC. And then, literally for about a five-year period of time, I was probably smoking the highest THC products I could find. Again, combining a little CBD with that, that brought on relief. And then, you know, in, in, in three years ago, I'll tell you this in all honestly. Three years ago, I had a I suffered a stroke. That um, literally almost shut me down completely, and after that, I started noticing that I was doing way better with moderate levels of THC than I am with the higher levels of THC. But in fact, higher levels of THC really—I'm I, I, look—I tell you, before my stroke, I guarantee you there wasn't too many people on this planet I noticed for a fact that could out-dab me. You know, I, I was. <laughs> Uh, we, when my product came out, I probably did one night alone. I did about 120 dab hits in a row, uh, no problem whatsoever. And I'll I was be-
1: about to get confident and be like, "Okay, let's go." And then I heard you say the word 120. I was like, "Oh, never mind." Yeah, no,
0: no, dude. I, I'm, and I'm not. I'm I, look. I I could eat two keto bars in the evening. Cool. i be talking to you. Okay. Cool. So I mean, I literally. It's really uh, my tolerance had gotten so high, and but then after my stroke. I started noticing, man, you know, the higher level of THC that I put in, it like, it, I wasn't getting the effect that I wanted. You know I mean, not that I'm putting it down, I'm not putting it down for other people, but it just wasn't who I wanted to be. And now I've found this like, you know, nice little area where, you know, I, I modulate with relatively, I take a lot of CBD during the day, but I, uh, you know, I take a very, very mild little hit of something that's, you know, in that 21, 22 range. The THC. That's enough for me, my friend. And I, and you know what? I, I also lost the need to be blotted, you know, what I mean, I mean mm. oblivious. You know, I I, I, I want to be here. I want to focus on all what's going on, but also want to have a smile on my face.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think my only time that I love to just be just high as hell is probably, you know, watching a Marvel movie, something yeah. where you're just sitting with friends and the popcorn is mindlessly going into the mouth. Oof. Yeah yeah but you're sitting back and it's going <laughs> yeah well yeah that 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 I would if
0: I was if I had to go into a theater, if I could get into a theater right now, that's when I love it the most also. I also used to really like it. you know, I, I used to sing and play in a band, so I loved uh, performing high. I just thought that the higher I was, the better
1: you know what I mean to me, and I think the, the audiences seem to respond that way also absolutely. I think that like the, the ability to get into a flow state is a lot easier when you're already already flowing.
0: Absolutely, you, you hit it, you know, you're tapping in that thing, many more of those brain cells that were not, were sitting there dormant, now all of a sudden they're excited, because again, we know that our endocannabinoid system, you know, you've got the CB1 connectors up there in that brain that are looking for THC, and boom, it lights up and says, hey, what's going on? How you all I've <laughs> you in a while, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So and now with you, my friend, that you you have had such a incredible story career. Let's talk a little bit about all the diversity of your career. There was a while where you were a rep for
1: alcohol. Is that true or no? No, I never repped alcohol, but I, I've had a very wild career. I guess it would be in three parts. The first part would be comedy, where um, I wrote for a show on HBO called Night of Too Many Stars that was nominated for an Emmy hosted by Jon Stewart. It was beautiful because it was a show that raised money for children with autism. So I got to put my best foot forward and write for people like Paul Rudd, Chris Rock, John Oliver, Colbert, De Niro, but also we raised so much money. So it really struck a chord with me because I'm giving back while taking a little bit for myself as well. And that's the sweet spot. Uh, The second part, besides comedy, would be Glazed, which is my live show you mentioned. It'll be back after COVID. (laughs) Guess what? No, that's
0: not. uh, She's with Weed and Plus Grub. What do you do? You do a show with Mary Jane Gibson, right?
1: Yes, yeah. So that's our podcast, Weed and Grub, with Mary Jane Gibson and I. Um, If you listened to a past episode, I know you had her on, and it was a really great one. Weed and Grub for us is about comedy, cooking, culture, and calling shit out. We just get high, hang out. Yeah, but we also try and talk about policy, where the weed industry is headed, educate people in a broad sense on what's going on in the weed world without getting too in the weeds about the minutia that makes people want to fucking fall asleep. Um, yeah. And the beauty of that that we're really proud of is it just got into South by Southwest for 2021. And the cool thing is, is it's part of the track at South by Southwest that's called Changing the Landscape of Entertainment. So the idea that they're seeing us as people who are on the forefront of cannabis while also being in the entertainment industry is a uh, it's a real huge cosign. That's great. So,
0: again, the comedy it was the first tier.
1: What was the second tier? I would say it would be ca- comedy, cannabis and cooking now because I retired from hockey uh, on the cooking side. I feel like you and I probably have a lot in common when it comes to playing to win. Um In the in the cooking side, I was on a Food Network show called Worst Cooks in America and I got third place. Ann Burrell eliminated me. She's a celebrity chef on Food Network. Right. Yeah. And I got so mad that I got third place that I came back to L.A., saved up my money and went to culinary school because I was like, I should have won that fucking show. That should have been my ten thousand dollars. I'll show all of you. Fuck this. And then I get my culinary degree, and a week later, I get hired because I'm an improviser too. I get hired to work back behind the scenes on a Gordon Ramsay show on CBS. So I went from worst cook in America to to being like a line cook who's a comedian on Gordon Ramsay show. And he's looking over my shoulder while I'm making 50 filet mignons, perfectly medium rare. And I was like, that's a win. I told you, I told you.
0: You ain't kidding. That's a win, my friend. And uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that that idea of cannabis and food. Do you infuse your some of your products, your food products with cannabis?
1: Yeah, we actually, Mary Jane and I do a lot of recipe development for places like Satori. Uh, it, there's something really great about a controlled low dose edible or cooking for me, you know, two milligrams, four milligrams, nothing that's going to knock you out. But I got to tell you, my other favorite thing that's happening right now is just pairing weed with a beautiful meal because the terpenes like that minty that lemony that funky any of that then i can control how high i'm going to get as i'm getting high while just eating delicious food so i'm also a big advocate of just smoking a joint and eating some nachos
0: absolutely absolutely a lot of people have haven't haven't caught on yet but i think it's going to start catching on around the country more you know you look at this last election my friend um you know you look at the election i think Everybody's got to admit that weed was the winner. Forget about who actually won. But, you know, we had five new states come aboard and uh, pass the legislation. And I think they're talking about for the next election, maybe another four or five. So, I mean, we're
1: getting close to the finish line. Will we ever reach it? What do you think? No, absolutely not. It's a mess right now. I'm going to be straight up like when when Kamala during her VP debate said weed will be federal, I dropped my coffee and it shattered on the floor because I was like, holy cow. I can't believe in a debate. Not only did she look to camera, say the word cannabis, but then she said legalization. And I, I was blown away. And I think it could happen sometime late this year, early next year. But the weed industry, in my opinion, is such a mess right now because we don't have everybody wants to be a leader. So nobody is being able to be led. And so it's fractured as fuck. And until things settle and we have people in place who are speaking for the plant and for the industry and for the right reasons, we're going to continue to cannibalize ourselves while industry and consumerism and capitalism just take it over.
0: Could not be better said, my brother. I'm telling you, I agree with you 100%. I think one of the biggest problems right now is that we've gotten so caught up in the B2B Mm. and forgot about the B2C, the consumer. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you've got so many of these businesses that are out here. First off, you say you hit it. They cannibalize themselves by coming in and trying to buy up five and 10, 15 dispensaries and trying to clone them into their own variation of themselves, not recognizing what the consumer needs, not even thinking about it. We take a look. I've I've been involved in this movement now for 20 years, long before this became a gold rush or a green rush. It was back in 2001 when a doctor said to me, I think you should get off those opioids and start using cannabis. That I started my advocacy. And back then, man, I'm telling you, people left me out there dangling. I was out there dangling by myself. One of the only celebrities that actually spoke out said, yes, I do actually consume. And I consume every day. What do you think of that? And, you know, the industry kind of left me behind in a sense that, you know, I didn't get a lot of support from a lot of uh, people in Hollywood at all. And then, you know, back in 2010 11, I, I flew to Israel, sat down in the laboratory with Dr. Meshulam, one of the leaders and thought leaders in the entire industry, this guy who actually discovered THC, CBD and was one of the co-discoverers of the endocannabinoid system. I got a chance to sit down and interview him in his laboratory. One of the first people who actually did that. And, you know, I was shocked at the fact that finally, about five years ago, everybody starts jumping on board. But the people who jumped on board literally were just kind of opening up the door for those greedy fucks who 10 years ago said that weed was bad. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they change their mind because they think they can see money. And you said that Kamala Harris made the statement that, yes, uh, cannabis will be legalized. But let's remember that during her tenure as the AG, more people were arrested in California than anywhere else in the country. 100%. And let's also remember that her running mate, who is now the the president-elect, who will be sworn in tomorrow, six months ago, said that cannabis was a gateway drug. The words came out of his mouth. So, what goods it going to do us to? and they they weren't talking about legalizing; they were talking about decriminalizing. Excuse me, let's understand and pick up Webster's and look up the definition of decriminalize. That doesn't mean that they don't think you're a criminal. That means they just think you're less of a criminal. Excuse me, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, well said.
0: Ooh. We need more people like yourself out here, man, talking and speaking. Let's talk a little bit about your Glades show, which I understand is sold out every single You Do it once a month, once a week?
1: Yeah, once a month, uh, up until COVID, and it'll be back as soon as we get COVID uh, under control. Under control? Are you doing anything online with it? No, I think it is a show that is about community and bringing people together. And uh, maybe you felt this when you were doing your talk show quite a few times, but you can feel the swirl of the audience, of your guests, and you can really feel the energy in a room and it's electric. And I'm not about to go from having people like Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld, Tiffany Haddish drop in on my show in a live setting and then ask them to Zoom with me. I, I, I don't have the fucking gut balls to be like, hey, do you want to stop in and Zoom with me instead of sing Radiohead's Creep in front of all of these people while we're all high as hell with a live band yeah that's a live it's it's a live vibe
0: yeah i, mean, I gotta tell you i found out the hard way i did a speech you know last month and i said I, didn't, I won't say the hard way but i mean i did a speech before i it was i think it was well over five six hundred people all virtual and it's the weirdest thing in the world man because i mean you're sitting here looking at that little box of you you don't get to see the 500 people And and you'll get that feedback that you really generally love from having a live audience that's right there. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just to give a little background on Glazed, living in LA, I'm surrounded by the most talented artists in a million different areas that I can imagine dance, street art, music, comedy. And I've been raised to give as much of myself to bring the most people together. And for me, cannabis is more about community than anything else it's about passing that joint with friends and making new friends through that joint as well so yeah please
0: no i was just saying now do you think i have asked this question a couple of times in the last couple of podcasts i've done what do you think COVID's impact has been on that whole social system when it comes to cannabis i was talking to red man and he was saying you know Now he stopped passing the joint. He brings extra weed in his pocket. He'll hand you yours. You roll it yourself, smoke yours. He smokes his. Um, But that's becoming one of those things. i I talked to lots of people who say, you know, I miss the social aspects of of getting sitting out with a friend. Now I sit down with a friend. We don't pass a pipe back and forth. I give him a little bit. He puts it in his pipe. I got in my pipe. We sit here and we may smoke together the same thing, but we're not passing back and forth. And that's, was a big part of, I think, you know, what made the weed experience so good is, you yeah. know, sharing a joint, rolling back, blowing, giving a hot one to somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do doing that. What do you think? Is that going to come back? Because I think a lot of people have really backed up a little bit and said, no, I'm not going to share the joint with you. I'll give you
1: one, but I'm not going to share it. My favorite was when I held it too long because I got too wrapped up in telling a story. And then everybody's like, yo, you got to pass that. You can't just keep (laughs) holding it. Yeah. but I mean, what do you think? Do you think that time of passing is going to come back? Yeah, I think it's dead. I think it's gone. And that's okay. Because if you can still sit next to somebody during a sunset and have that sunset, then let's make it about the sunset. But the idea that things are going to go back to normal in any way Um, I mean, COVID is going to be around and certainly lingering in our brains for so long. So the idea of passing a joint back and forth with friends, if everybody gets tested like we did when we went to a cabin at Big Bear for Halloween, we took a bunch of mushrooms, we all got tested, it came back negative, and we just passed joints and hung out. If we can do that safely, well, then I'm gonna get tested all the time to make sure I can do that safely with my friends because I care about them. But the idea of sitting in the parking lot of Target and just chopping it up and passing a joint back and forth, unfortunately, that's gone forever.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think even even just you know inviting five or six people over tonight without getting that pre-test, chopping it up and passing it is gone forever now. I think also because I think and it should be in a sense that. You know, we've got to recognize we got COVID right now and COVID is already starting to
1: mutate into variants. Who knows what next winter is going to bring? Yeah, I think something that's really interesting, though, is the uh, medical community's ability to adjust to something like this and doing a lot more at home work. I'm learning about stocks right now and there's a stock called Teladoc. And Teladoc is like, why the fuck do I need to go to the doctor for you to look at the rash on my arm? Let me just hold my arm up and you tell me if I need to come in. Let's do it. So I do think that there could be a day when our homes are built with things like COVID tests on the outside of the door, just like a doorbell. And then we have that quick, instant ability to feel safe when somebody is entering our bubble. And to me, that is an exciting uh, step forward in how we interact as humans.
0: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think what is it all saying? You know, if you build it, they will come. If you take a look back at some of the old futuristic movies, we had this kind of technology built in the houses where you could walk over and put your eyes on something and boom, it tells you whether or not you're sick or not. So, I mean, it may start happening. That's iridology with your eyes and your irises. But I have a feeling that that's going to be something that's coming down the pike. And I think the companies that get there, the technology that gets there the quickest is the winner hmm. Absolutely. So look, my friend, I got to pay some bills for a second real quick. I take a little break and then we'll come back and I want to chop it up some more and talk a little bit more about how you're doing. But let's talk a little bit. Let's let's take a break and talk about, you know, the need for more cannabis to kind of quell this social unrest in this damn country. <laughs> I mean, all right, let me take a little break. I'm on right now. You're listening to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today is Mr. Mike Glazer. He's a talented actor, an Emmy and nominated comedian and host of Glaze. We'll be back right after this. Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Today's guest is a talented actor. He's an Emmy nominated comedian. He's host of a show of his own show called Glazed. It's which is routinely sold out right now live in California. We're, of course, not during the pandemic, but as soon as the pandemic is over, he's going to have you back in, taking a look. He's also the host. And he also co-hosts Weed and Grub, an acclaimed podcast, actress in cannabis culture, voice Mary Jane Gibson. He also stars in the 420 friendly comedy shows High Tech or Prohibited, High Guys on BuzzFeed, and First High on Civilized. And to date, his work has garnered him over 300 million views online, my man has worked with everybody from Chris Rock, John Stewart, to Robert De Niro, Sarah Silverman, Paul Rudd, James Marsden, and many many more, including Montel Williams. Now, ha ha. Okay, <laughs> he is the one and only Mr. Mike Glazer. How you doing, sir? Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you
1: so much, Mattel. This is amazing.
0: Oh man, I mean, look, I tell you what, I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm gonna do the softest, uh, the the shameless little plug. But look, I had Redman on recently, and um, I am right, man, we're talking about the fact that maybe we ought to do a movie together mm. and flip the script in that movie and make me that weird character, like an uncle that comes back, that he's got to straighten out. I, you know, if, 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 if you're sitting around one evening and you're thinking, yourself, I ain't got nothing to do, what that thing my thought was talking about? If you come up with any ideas, give me a ring, my friend.
1: You got it. I'm happy to start writing as soon as we finish this up. Let's go.
0: Man, i will tell you, I, I, I got to I can throw some ideas at you. I'll reach out to you. Let's let's chop it up for an afternoon. I'll I'll break out my vape pen and we'll sit back and, go and toss some ideas back and
1: forth. This is how it starts, right? You just start hanging and talking. Next thing you know, you got a script and you're on set and you're making something fun. Absolutely. And
0: I, I think right now that's what it, we are in need of, man. I, I'm spending so much time. I'm sitting around watching. Netflix, and I'm about to go on a Netflix moratorium, man, unless I tune the just comedy, and you know, because I keep, you know, you go, you go through the channel guide on Netflix and look at the guide and you say, you see an actor and actually, oh, wow, I, I like them. They're probably gonna be good. You turn on their movie or you turn on their show, and it's the most depressing thing you've watched in the last five years.
1: I'm shocked by this, are you? Yeah, everything's bad and it's not getting better. I'm like, it. It just feels like a background static to distract me from life, and I'm not absorbing anything. And the things that I am absorbing are things that I've seen before. Like I can't watch Great British Bake Off one more time because yeah. I, I'm going to be embarrassed that I know so much about these people.
0: <laughs> well, you know the same. It's like for me, I I, I put on. I'm not going to disparage any individual actor or actress. But there's an actress that, you know, I, my wife likes her, you know, we've we thought about her, She's she's been in good stuff. So I said, let's put on this movie. Watch that, I was like, got to the end of it, I was like, why did I watch that? And then two days later, there's another one that she's in. It's a series. Okay, let me watch this. Holy moly, how much more depressing can I get? And I'm starting to figure out, it's like, why is it okay for every one of these netflix series to have every main character be a drunk i mean if you if you put them on man i swear to you, you know, it it kind of just baffles my mind everybody comes home they they were at church come home from church first thing they do is they fill up a glass with three shots of some sort of brown liquor and they belt it down i don't know people who do that maybe i'm maybe i'm too secluded or too you know, a uh, uh, hunker down in my own place. I don't know anybody who can sit back and kick back a fifth of Johnny Walker on a Sunday morning, <laughs> every yeah. time, not, not just one, but every Sunday morning, it's like it's part of their life. Why? Do, why is that OK? We can't have them come on fire up a joint.
1: Well, it's because alcohol is faceless, which makes it for everybody. And cannabis has been using propaganda, people and lies to put a face on it. And that face is evil. So I don't know who owns Jim Beam. Is it a dude whose name is Jim Beam? Maybe. I doubt it. Alcohol has the ability. And this is what cannabis needs to do, unfortunately. But cannabis needs to be that blank for everyone, or it needs to be so dialed in and specific. But right now it's in this middle ground where there's faces and names and people and stats and science, and it's all this mishmash without any clear direct path. Alcohol, it gets you fucked up, you can mix it with pineapple, it's delicious, and you can hang out. Boom, that's it. Cannabis, there's medical, there's recreational, there's state legislation, there's all these things. And until those things settle, And we have a clearly defined idea of how to brand this plant it's going to be a mess
0: absolutely absolutely i agree with you 100 and you know now we're still again majority of people are hunkered down i mean i I literally live in a in an apartment building down here that every now and then i'll walk down the hallway and i go hmm something wafting out of somebody's room Uh, interesting but you know and I say every now and then because clearly that person probably took a step out to go throw their garbage out, recognized that it was coming out of their apartment. So they put the towels and all that stuff down we <laughs> so don't smelling anymore. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't understand why we are still so hidden. So many people who are using, we know that cannabis use is up during this pandemic. We know that deliveries are up during this pandemic. There are more people who are answering polls saying that they have shifted from alcohol use to cannabis use, but they're doing it silently. And I don't know what it's going to take to get more and more people to speak out and tell the government, you know, yeah, I do it. What? What are you going to do about
1: it? Well, I think two things. One is I don't I'm not going to really slam alcohol because I will say for COVID, especially I definitely got lost in the sauce for a few months. You know, when your purpose is taken away as a human being, there's nothing else to do but just knock back that Tito's. And say, well, let's see if we can get through tomorrow. So I've been there. But the thing is, is that cannabis is if, if, if culture, if mainstream culture can embrace cannabis, like growing up listening to Redman, Method Man, Snoop, Seth Rogen, they're just fucking cool. They're cool. You're cool. And so the idea that you can make cannabis cool is going to go so far. And we need people in different industries than hip hop, comedy to step up to the plate in culture and make it cool for that demographic. You know, we have Martha Stewart, who's opening up CBD shops all over the country. Great. She is cool to so many people. And if we can continue to make cannabis cool in different areas of culture that people resonate with, the rest will work itself out, I believe.
0: And I mean, but I think it goes back to what you were saying. It's like, you know, you're your show, you know, first high. I mean, there's no reason why that show isn't on the air, especially in every single st- state that has some form of legal cannabis. There's no reason why it's not on the air and you can't be seen. It can't be seen because it just de- again take the get rid of the term destigmatize, but it takes that edge off from up mm-hmm. above, and yet we can't seem to convince. the the industry that gets the highest of any industry in America to accept what
1: it does. Right. But that's because they haven't figured out how to make money from it yet. Right. You know, I feel like, I feel like when I think that like, people like maybe Monsanto or pharmaceutical companies or something are trying to trademark terpenes right now so that they can just like own different parts of the plant. And these are the steps that are getting people in the cannabis industry irate because they don't have the access or the ability or the government connections to take care of themselves for that. And they're scared they're going to get squeezed out and they're going to get squeezed out. But- and Once the government figures out on a national level, not just state to state, but national level, how to make the most money from this, I think that that is when the, I don't want to say the word normal um, or average, I think that's when more Americans will get on board because it's, it's scary to do something new in your life when your life is short. And so if you can make money from it and profit from it and give back from it, then you're in a sweet spot where it's a part of your recreational day or medical day instead of uh, people need to make money from it and they need to know that that it's possible to make money from it for them to get on board, I think is really what I'm saying.
0: But I think that's part of that. That's where I blame our industry a little bit, because, you know, our industry doesn't spend the time. and, And. Hear me out when I say this, when I say educating the masses about the viability and the value of this as a substance. I mean, you know, we we spend so much time trying to come up with brand new names and try to trick the consumer who is already as consumer coming in the store to buy a different, you know, cultivar or a different strain. But we don't spend the time going out to. Though I spoke to a person here in the last couple of days who's spending some time now going to nursing homes in Florida and sitting down and having conversations, some of them virtually, some of them face-to-face in places that they can do it face-to-face where they're just teaching people and say, you know, it's like the industry got caught up in trying to figure out how to produce the highest high rather than recognizing that, you know, there's a whole generation out here called baby boomers who grew up in the culture of cannabis didn't have a hard, didn't have a, 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 you know, a bad thought about it. They made, some of them didn't do it back then when they were kids. Some of them did do it back then when they were kids and recognize that, hey, I've been successful and now I'm in the twilight years of my life. Why shouldn't I be doing it now? And we haven't tried to convince them that it's okay. And I think that's where this industry has really fallen short on itself. It's got to spend more time, I say, B to C. Business yeah. to the consumer, providing the consumer with the information that they need to know and understand. And there's breakthroughs every day. And you're right. You can get, you know, I, I'm caught up here with Let's Be Blood a little bit, ensuring that I give my audience some of the most up-to-date research information and trying to make sure that I educate them to understand that there's nothing wrong with this. And, and like you were saying, I mean, you know, go back three years ago, <clears throat> nobody was even talking terpenes four years ago. Now, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. we're starting to recognize that the entire plant, the flavonoids, the terpenes, you know, some of the the uh, phytocannabinoids and others have just as much impact on your experience as those two cannabinoids that we know the most, which is CBD and THC. Well, come on now, there's CBG, CBN, CBD. There's, There's, you know, a variant of every one of those. There's an acid version of every one of those. All of those have play and say and what your experience is going to be. And then when you put the terpenes on top of that, and let's say you mix two cultivars together so that you have a different expression of uh, one particular you know, terpene, you may change your entire experience with cannabis.
1: Do you know what you're making me think of. I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you remember that cartoon on Just a Bill on Capitol Hill? Yes, there you go. We need that. We need the educational cartoon on Just a Bill on Capitol Hill for cannabis, something that is sticky that can get people all on the same page about what's going on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. That's another one of those you can write in the corner one night, one night where you're just chilling. No, but <laughs> absolutely. And we definitely need that. That's, that way, it's, it's that catchy little tune that's being sung by Grandma.
1: There you go. Exactly. I'll remember in first high when I was, um, I got the, that Army veteran was nice enough to get high for the first time with me. And he held that joint. And we sat there in silent for what felt like longer than 30 seconds. And it was just a moment of settle. And he goes, man, if I knew what this would feel like right now, I would have been doing this for 20 years. Damn. And he, you know, he was just caught up in the stigma. And for him, it was religious. And, you know, there was a lot of barriers in between him and trying it for the first time. And then as soon as he did, you could just see his whole body change. Everything about his demeanor just went, Oh, okay. I see what this is. Yep. Well,
0: that's that's I think that's how a lot of people, you know, come out of their very first experience. Yeah, maybe 10% of people have. You know, what might be, you know, a deleterious kind of experience, but that's maybe only because, you know, again, they rolled into a dispensary and bought something that they shouldn't have bought. They had a bud tender who was telling them, oh, this is just mild. Yeah, right, homeboy. Oh, that's because you've been smoking 25 days out of the month. This person's smoking the first 20 in life. Don't give them something that you think is mild. Give them something that's really mild. But, you know, um, but the majority of people have that same type of experience that you just explained.
1: Yeah, my first time, I just ate a whole box of Cheez-Its, watched a movie with my friends, and I was like, I'm on board with this. Yep, yep. I remember my first time, I, I think it was with
0: uh, one of my uh, bandmates, and I went out and, uh, during a break. Uh, we were playing. I, was, I played in a band back when I was in high school, and I remember, because they would go out every single night, get in that band, and they'd get high. I knew they were getting high, but I never did. They said, so, come on out here with us this time. I went out. So then I went, wow. I could have been a part of this this entire time. Holy moly, went back in and probably performed the best that I've ever performed that night. That night, you know I mean? that's
1: awesome. Yes.
0: And so now, again, right now we are in the middle of you know quarantine. So are you able to do any of your shows like you know any of the four twenty friendly shows like High Tech or um, um, how about the High Guy? Are you doing any of those?
1: uh no well hi guys with what what i'm really focused on right now i've been fortunate enough to write for some uh big tv networks this past uh at the end of last year leading into this year and because I decided to quarantine with my podcast co-host, Mary Jane Gibson, we were able to continue the podcast, never missing a Wednesday. They drop on Wednesdays. And so Weed and Grub has really become this beautiful full-time job, even though we have other full-time jobs, where we got to host huge virtual cannabis events. We've had amazing guests on every single Wednesday. We'd love for you to come on, please, sometime. Sure. And, and then South by Southwest invited us to be a part of um, their festival this coming time. And so I think the lesson in that that I've taken away from COVID is if you're excited about something enough that you want to keep doing it, lean in twice, three times, four times as hard and see where it can take you. Because now Mary Jane and I are working with great sponsors. We have a great fan base that we've gotten jobs in the cannabis industry we have people reaching out to us saying what do you know about delta eight and i'm like i don't know anything about delta eight so let's buy some delta eight and try it on the podcast and see what happens next so between our fan base our love for each other and the community and the podcast itself and then helping people get jobs or join normal and create charities that raise money for cannabis um it's really been COVID in that way has been such a blessing because the podcast is really hoping to, we're hoping that it continues to change the space.
0: I hope so too, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I wish you the best of luck, my friend, because I think the more and more, you know, people open up to your podcast, they'll open up to mine, but they also, the experience then gets broadened and gets amplified and gets amplified. Then it becomes like you were saying, normal in a sense, but it just becomes a part of our culture, which it should have been all along.
1: All along. All along. Well said. I feel like that's the soundbite. Goddamn.
0: <laughs> well, no, i tell you something though, Fred. I, look, I, if you if Reggie and I are sitting back right now, we're going to get together. He, he, he's been a little under weather, but he's getting better. And as soon as he, he pops that back up, we're going to sit down and start, you know, chopping it up and throwing out some ideas. But, you know, he, he, Reggie calls me Uncle Mark, Uncle Monty. So he go, hey, Uncle, what's up, Uncle? I said, you know, dude, we ought to do a movie together where I am that Uncle that. You just can't get rid of them and you got to straighten them out He was like wow let's flip the paradigm that would be pretty cool so yeah i'd love to hear what you think about
1: that i love that idea i mean you're making me think about john witherspoon to be honest because like you know movies like friday where he just pops in spraying the can all over the bathroom and he's like don't nobody go in there for 25 45 minutes uh i yes i think i think the more we're talking, the more I'm like, I think he could be a great weird uncle.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh well, yeah, no, I'd love to be that weird uncle. You know, I, I thought about, it. you know, I've I, I played, you know, military characters, which is all part of what people assume I would be. I played the real straight laced guy, but you know, I think I, I think I would love to. And I've done some comedic things before in the past, but so I'd love to flip that that switch and give people something they haven't seen before. Anything else going on that you want to know about? What's what else is new? What's kind of what's coming down the pipe?
1: You know what. This year, besides weed and grub, we've got a lot of shows that we're ready to pitch if people don't mind working in a cannabis idea. We have one idea. I'll say it right here. I'm not too scared. I hope people don't steal it, but maybe they will. But during quarantine, we did a live stream of tiny hot plate concerts where we took an NPR Tiny Desk concert. And we crossed it with cooking a delicious meal on a hot plate. So we made one where we were making a flight of tacos, breakfast tacos, shrimp tacos, all on a hot plate while our dear friend Harry Mack freestyle rapped over all of it. And we were like, I think there's something here. Music, food, culture, it's a vibe. And so we were trying to take it out to networks and say, we will cook a dish on a hot plate while incredible musicians, comedians, artists, storytellers, poets do what they do best. And that would be the show. It just brings together all types of entertainment. And it's called Tiny Hot Plate Concert THC. So, you know, let's get high while we do it. And every single network was like, we love that idea. None of our advertisers are gonna get on board with that. And I was like, fuck you, truck companies, get it together. What are we talking about? So we'll see what happens next with it. But that's where it's at.
0: I you know, I I I swear maybe you just ought to do it online and screw those advertisers right now and do it, and then next thing you know, they'll be. Chomping at the bit, banging on your doors, trying to see if they can become a part of it.
1: I love the leverage of that because then I'll be like, well, well, well. Looks like we have even more asks now that you want it. Correct,
0: absolutely. That's that's. I think that's what we're going to end up all having to do, though. I think you know, going back to that comment that I was making earlier, not to disparage alcohol, but you know, any series right now where you know the star comes home and fires up a joint and sits down on the couch and doesn't have a conversation about it, but that's clear what they're doing. What's the problem? Yeah. That's what a lot of other people are doing right now. That's what, uh, you know, probably 60% of this country is doing every single day.
1: And, and I-, I think that's the biggest problem in the cannabis industry, if I'm going to be frank, is you're a real ass dude and you're a real ass dude who obviously loves the plan. But I think it's you as a person that people resonate with, not the plan itself. And I think to really change the opinion and culture, it, we have to focus on people. We, the plant is super important, but if there's not a personal story attached to it, if we don't focus on people, then it's never going to hit the heart and the ears. And so hanging out with you and being like, this is a human being who loves what he's doing and is fighting the good fight, but I, but it's about you and what you're doing for it and not the other way around. And, and it's really important. I agree with you, my friend. Thank you so
0: much. I can't say thank you enough, Mike, for being a part of the show today. I mean, honestly, anytime you have anything you want to drop, anytime you want to talk, or just sit down and chop it up a little bit, man, you're invited back. I'd love to have you back on again, and I will take you up on that idea of uh, coming on to Weed and Grub. I'd love to do that too. Maybe we can, you know, I, I I fancy myself. I'll tell you, I'm very, very, interesting. But a lot of people don't know. As a kid, I was really weird. I was one of those strange kids. I got, I literally was a, you know, an athlete for my ninth and tenth grade year. Then I became a musician, but I was also a student government geek. So I was a president of my class, my junior year, my senior year. I was a student on the Board of Education my senior year. Uh, First kid, you know, actually assigned to the Board of Education in Aminola County in Maryland back then. Um, I was also a member of the the state student council and the regional student councils. So I I was like, you know, I had three brain cells battling with each other all the time inside my head. Plus, I was catching a buzz. and. I also, in the band that I had, we would go, let's say, we we do a two-week stint in Ocean City, Maryland. Well, while we were there, we'd be playing in a nightclub, so during the day, I'd have all day off. So I went over and became a sous chef and a cook. So I would cook during the day to make some extra money. I was too young to get in any place. I actually played in nightclubs. I had to come in the back door because I was too young to walk in the front door. They wouldn't let me walk the front door. So you know, I became this little novice cook. I do all the cooking at home right now. for my wife. I'm the one who cooks dinner every single day. I matter I'm a, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go get ready to do a a, a good pressure cooker meal. So maybe sometime we ought to get together, do a weed rub, and I'll, I'll uh, set up a camera and we can, you know, or set up the
1: computer and, and I'll, I'll cook a meal and, you know, I'll, or I'll follow you guys cooking a meal. We'll both, we'll both cook something at the same time, same recipe so that we can all eat together while we're chopping it up. There you go. And I got to tell you something, man. Do you have uh, you have a pressure cooker? I don't, but Mary Jane does. So technically, yes. Yeah,
0: I, I, my brother, I'm telling you something. It, you know, there was a time, oh, 10, 15 years ago, lots of people used pressure cookers. I actually had my own brand pressure cooker that I was selling for a while. And again, it it's available online. You can find one or two of them left over. But I had my own pressure cooker, my own brand. And I, it's become the fallback, cooking tool at least once a week once a week i'm like yeah like today i'm doing three podcasts so in between this one and the next one i will go in there and get the get the press cooker started it's one of those things that you just literally put together your parts dump them in at the same time season the way you want put the lid on it hit the button walk away 15 minutes later you got a meal (laughs) (laughs) that sounds great and, it's, and, you know, and I have I've ventured out. I'm cooking everything from fish to, you know, uh, steak to chicken to you, may, I, you name it. I cook it in
1: there. That's what's up. Uh, I want a Montel Williams pressure cooker now. Let's go. <laughs>
0: I'll see if I can find you one and make sure we send you one, my friend. You stay well. Look, um, and again, like I said, anytime you want back on the show, let me know. And I wish you the best of luck. I want to make sure people want to catch you, get more information. Where do they go?
1: Um, well, they can watch our Netflix movie coming out, Uncle Monty and Redman, in 2022. Otherwise, bye, F- Mike Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Who And every Wednesday with Weed and Grub with Mary Jane Gibson. It's a podcast we drop every single Wednesday, and you should check them out.
0: We definitely will. I want to make sure everybody does that. Make sure you follow up. Keep in touch and keep track of what Mike Glazer is doing. He is a trendsetter for sure. And actually, one of the guys that's going to make, I think, one of the most difference in this entire industry over the next of years. So thank you so much for what you do. Love having you. Make sure you tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments
1: are you dealing with best life burnout constantly striving for more and quite frankly over
0: it maybe you just want more joy peace and laughter in your life now
1: I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast,
0: The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.